Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Twins Talk Theater. Today we have on a friend of mine, uh, Mo Giberto, who I first met in 2014. We did Dougie Who together with Doug Thompson, who we interviewed, I think it was, I want to say like episode 10 back in 2017. Um, so Mo and I, oh God, what were our titles? You were tech director, production manager? For, I was production manager and I guess you were the PSM, yeah? Yeah. So we did this really wonderful production with our friend Doug. It was a Doctor Who and David Bowie mashup. It was pretty I awesome. I think that's a good description, yeah. This, <laughs> we had a TARDIS on stage. Mo and I painted a, a, a starscape on the floor, um, and there was a live band. It was pretty awesome. I was so pretty then, excited about the TARDIS. Yeah, it was really cool TARDIS. And then in 2017, we worked together again, the three of us, and we did The Happiest Millionaire, which is a Disney movie that uh, Doug and a few friends were able to like reduce down to this hour-long story, but they, we, they brought in some of the actual singers from the movie, which was really cool. So we were just talking about how Doug has to produce something else again so that we can get together again, because it's been three years and we need to, you know, we need to work together again. Because what were your guys' titles for that one? Same titles as the one Pretty before? Pretty much the same, yeah. Everything that I, I mean, don't know does and vice versa. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and the reality is that, you know, we played, between the two of us, we played company manager and house manager and various technical like board positions. operator. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, and A2. So, yeah, it was uh, it was so- very, very much a collaborative effort. and. <laughs> Um, Cindy and I held it all together, I think. Excellent. We're trying, trying to keep each other together because we're like, we can do exactly. that. We can do this. There's no TARDIS on stage. It's okay. Uh, so, so that's how I know Mo. That's how we got her on the podcast. Uh, Mo, the, the, we always ask where, how you got started in theater and, and how you got to where you are. But there are a few big things I want to bring up as well is you working with IATSE and then your experience on the touring show of, of Lion King. Cause those are two things we haven't talked to anybody about, which I'm kind of excited about. So first, how did you get into theater and where did, how did you end up with where you are now in Atlanta uh, working mostly IATSE gigs, correct? Uh, yes. Um, but I did not tour with the Lion King. I ran ah. fly for them when they were in town. Um, I was a props uh, vacation sub for Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Phantom. Got it. Yeah, and those yeah. are very different. Um, <laughs> I knew she worked on Lion King at some point. I'm... <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a flyman when they were here uh, at the Fox Theater. So I was a, a show flyman for them. But um, so I, I kind of enjoy my, my little story because it's been, it's been a fun ride. But uh, – 10, 10 years old, I was um, at Roberts Elementary School, and we did this little play about George Washington. And, you know, in elementary school, everybody does a little bit of everything. So I went from being uh, an Indian in the Boston Tea Party, running over to the breaker panel on the side of the stage 
to flip the lights back and forth real, real fast to, and there were breakers at the time with the old Rondell strip lights, um, flipping breakers back and forth, making the lights flash for a storm. So, you know, when I moved on to middle school, you know, as, uh, as a middle school student, you know, I was running audio for, or setting up microphones and, and running audio for all the talent shows and wow. anytime there were assemblies and, you know, and as a middle, as a middle school, we did full length musicals also Dang. Um, every other year. Yeah. So my seventh grade year, we did Princess in the Pea um, or Once Upon a Mattress is the, you know, the show, but um and then moving into high school, we did full on musicals. And I, I just came from a really strong uh, schools that had good programs that allowed me to continue. And it just kind of here I am now. So <laughs> making a yeah. living out of it. Well, yeah, pre COVID. We'll get were, back to it. <laughs> were you born and raised in Atlanta? No. Oh, no, no, no. I live in Atlanta. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Ah, oh, got it. Okay. Yep. Still, that's really cool. Like, we had, in elementary school, we just had, like, you know, the multi-purpose room cafeteria, which I assume might have had lights or something on the stage. Because, you know, every class stood up there and, like, you know, sung a song during an assembly. Right. And then in junior high... Some people did plays, but I think that, again, that was, like, in the cafeteria. It wasn't until high school that, like, theater actually became a thing. So that's cool that you guys actually, like, had arts mm -hmm. from the very beginning or had theater. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was great. Like, you know, the elementary school, that was definitely a cafe-gymatorium. Um, yeah, but exactly. In middle Everything. school, it was, it was a full-on uh, – it was a full-on theater Um you know, that's where I learned how to run a two scene preset was in seventh grade. You know, that's amazing. Uh, it was it was very cool. So and we had a black box and a proscenium and, hey. and did shows should did shows on both. Yep. Wow. I feel like uh, I thought our school was good, but we are definitely lacking in those areas. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and my high, my high school had a scene shop. It had a scene shop, a costume shop and a prop shop that were better than, you know, a lot of college shops that I've seen. So, you know, and we even had classes in high school, technical theater one, technical theater two, and then a production class where um, for the tech side of it, you had to take a, a test, a, a written test and a skills test and basically audition for that class. And so I did that. So I, my first year I took technical theater class and then the last three years of high school, I was in the production class all the way through. So so you pretty much knew from the beginning that this is what you wanted to do? Or was it at that time still like a hobby and you thought that you would get a quote unquote normal career? Well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that this could be like, I didn't know I could do it when I was young. Like, I didn't know it was a job you could mm. have. Mm -hmm. um, but my grandmother... Um, always took me to like the summer children's series at the alley theater. And so I was exposed to theater that way. Uh, my mom would always take us to um, like the Sesame street lives and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I can remember thinking as a child, it's like, wow, 
wouldn't it be cool to work on a show like that? Not really knowing what that meant, but just knowing, you know, that I wanted to do that somehow. Um, and so it's just, it's always been a thing. Um, and I'd always been infatuated with touring. Like I always wanted to tour. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. You know, when it's like, I knew there were things I wanted to do, but didn't realize till, you know, really high school. It's like, Oh, I can actually do these things and make a career out of it, which was really cool. That is a cool realization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't even remember when I realized touring was a thing. Like, we went and saw shows, like in junior high and high school. But you, like, and never I, put it together, like, oh, yeah, this is what people do. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I did not. <laughs> or I must have at some point, because obviously I'm here, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever had that Free. realization. <laughs> so when did you... When did you do your first tour or how often have you toured? Uh, so my very first tour was, I don't even think this company exists anymore, but it was the Georgia Mountain Theater Company um, out of Rome, Georgia. I don't remember what year it was. It was a long time ago. Uh, maybe 2002, maybe, if I had to guess. Um but it was it was one of those uh, children's theater tours. So it was me, a 15 passenger van. I want to say six or seven actors. And we pulled the trailer with uh, um, all the everything, costume, scenery, props, even a, P, a little PA, um, mm-hmm. everything. And we did shows from everywhere from you know, nice, proper theaters. I I swear I've been in every Sanger theater in the South (laughs) with that show Um, to festivals where we sat up outside, set everything up outside to cafe gymatoriums. So um, that was definitely an adventure, but that was my very first one. Was it all you thought it was going to be? I mean, for my first tour, it kind of (laughs) was, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, and it, it was one of those, it was like, yeah, I finally did it. I was like, cool, I'm touring now. And then, you know, as I had progressed through my career, I was like, oh, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start I somewhere. Did, I did something similar. It was, yeah, it was like a 15 passenger van. We didn't have a trailer. It was just me, four singers, and then everything fit behind, you know? So it was like me and somebody and then like oh, wow. a three seat. And then the whole set and costumes and our PA system and then all of our personal luggage was all just in that van. Um, so we did a similar thing, but I just thought it was, even to this day, so much fun, you know, because we would go to like different cities and different states and see all of these different things. And we actually had quite a bit of time off in between shows in some locations. And so we got to just like hang out in towns or, you know, we spent a week and a half in Florida and it was just awesome. It was so much fun. I would totally recommend it to anybody, especially when you're just getting started because. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're just getting started, I think it's a great way to start. And like you said, when you go into an actual theater, we sometimes would hook up to their sound system if they had like a crew and all that stuff. Or sometimes I would just, you know, run sound myself. But then it also gave me this huge knowledge of how to deal with different theaters and different Mm -hmm. crews and different personnels. And, you know, like 
what do you do when you have a full crew? What do you do when you have no crew? Like there's all these in between. So was, I agree. It was very, very awesome. Um, working with IATSE, mm-hmm. your position there is, you said call steward? Correct. I, I'm a call steward and I'm also a job steward and a stagehand. Everyone's a stagehand first. So what do those other two positions mean? Because I've never heard, I've only heard steward. I've never heard it separated out for call steward and shop steward. Um, so a call steward is, uh, so someone's coming to town uh, and they need crew. So I'm the one who basically fills the labor order. So they're like, I need 20 stagehands and four truckloaders and 10 riggers at this time. So I create the call sheets and uh, verify all the information. And uh, we have a referral procedure uh, in our local of how people have to get calls. And so based on, you know, following the rules of the referral procedure, I proceed to fill the call with um, with the stagehands and riggers and, you know, whatever else the show calls for. So I do that for, well, pre-COVID, of course. Um, you know, I do that for uh, all the shows that come into the local, with the exception of the Fox Theater. Um, the Fox Theater, the job steward also serves as the call steward. Mm. Uh, for the fox just because it's easier uh that way because the fox is is so different from the rock and roll shows and the industrials and stuff like that that we do um and so the the shop steward is your uh is the steward on site so you know you walk into the theater you know you've got your steward and all your department heads and then your house crew so that makes sense. I guess mm-hmm. the the crew that I'm most familiar with in Binghamton is so tiny that it is just one guy doing everything, you know, because there's right. maybe three venues, but, and we have touring shows that come in, but they're the, you know, small one truck, maybe two truck touring shows, you know, so mm-hmm. it's just the same person who does all of that. That's interesting. I didn't know the difference. How many different yes. venues? I've only worked, uh, I don't do hardly any IOTC shows. The only place I've worked with unions was the, uh, the theater up in Santa Barbara. The, the Granada. The, the Granada. But I'm I okay. think the same guy who's the lead on the stage and the like TD for the Granada is also the one who's calling well, they, the people. Yeah, but they don't have like five other houses and Yeah, I think they have like one other theater there. A smaller place that I've heard people are at that I've never been to, but yeah, so I didn't know, like, well, it makes sense. I'm sure L.A. has five million different people doing different things because it's such a big area. Sure. Huh. Interesting. So what yeah. other venues do you work in? Or Because um, you said rock and roll concerts and industrials. So I know a big one that you did two years ago. When did you do the Super Bowl? Was it last year, two oh, years yeah. ago? It was uh, 2019. That was last year, 2019. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year we did the Super Bowl. Um, so we do uh, quite a bit. So we have contracts with the Fox Theater, which is our Broadway house here in town. Um, the Atlanta Opera, the Atlanta Ballet, uh, City Springs Theater Company, which is a smaller um, uh, 
it's like a, it's not a community theater. They're very much a professional theater, but it's a smaller theater in town, smaller local theater. Um, and then we also have contracts with a contract with live nation. Mm-hmm. And so we, we take care of, we have three amphitheaters in town. Um, what is it? Amaris bank. It's called this year, Chastain and Lakewood. So we have contracts with those, uh, with those venues. So all of, um, we take care of all the rock and roll during the summer. Um, and then in like last year we did the Super Bowl halftime show. We've done, um, uh, Nick Cannon's MT- Nick Cannon and MTV's Wild and Out. We've done three or four seasons of that. I don't remember now. Um, when Family Feud is in uh, in Atlanta, you know we do Family Feud. We do the BET Hip Hop Awards when they're in town. Last year we did a giant Google show that came in, just big Google convention. So, I mean, it's just a wide of things that, that we cover. I want to know about uh, halftime with the Super Bowl. The only thing I ever watch in Super Bowl, if I even pay attention to Super Bowl, is the halftime show. But I was always very mm-hmm. amazed that in a small period of time, you guys can transform an entire football field into a stage with lighting and sound and pyrotechnics and rigging and ever, and then get like a million people out on that grass and then make mm-hmm. it disappear in like zero minutes. How many people does it take to do that? Um, On our part of it, we had just on our, our part of it, we had, I'm trying to remember the numbers. Um, I want to say third were each in charge of a cart and the cart was part of the stage. And, And on that cart, it had anywhere between, you know, five to 12 volunteers to help move that cart. Um, and that's just on the stage side. I want to say, if I'm remembering cor- correctly, lighting had maybe 15, 12 to 15 people on the ground and seven different and seven people on spotlights. And, you know, same thing, all manning the uh, the lighting carts and making sure everything's plugged in. Same thing with audio. Um uh, you know, seven to 10 audio guys with the cart, same thing. Do you guys do rehearsals beforehand? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we had a, uh, oh, what's the word for it? We basically had an empty convention hall and all of the set carts um, were taken in there. The, uh, the production guys taught our crew how to call the carts, basically the commands that they needed to use with the, with the volunteers. And those were the only one, you know, words that could be used. So there was continuity across the board. So the carpenter um, learned how to drive the cart, so to speak. And then the volunteers came in and they practiced with the volunteers in this convention hall um, for, I want to say three or four nights in a row, a couple hours a night. Um, and then when it, then we practiced on the field, um, and it was the same thing. We were, it was having the carts lined up outside of the stadium, making sure, um, you know, everyone was where they were supposed to be practicing, getting things on and off the field. 
um, getting used to what it feels like driving on the AstroTurf instead of smooth mm-hmm. concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure all the technical elements work once it's all put together. So we would probably set up the stage three times a day uh, just so everyone could get used to it. Um, and then the talent got there and I don't remember now, it was two or three days of um, running the show uh, at least twice a day leading up to the day of the show. So with the performers, with the performers. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. so when you actually uh, got to Super Bowl, how long did it take to, from the second they said go and you started running to the beginning of the performance? Um, I don't remember the exact time, but it was less than five minutes. Oh my God. It was less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. I probably can't even run across the field in five minutes. No, I couldn't. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and the same thing, getting, getting it off less than five minutes. I want to say it was less than four minutes getting it off. So, but it's, you know, the exact opposite. Everyone has their, their path that they had to go. Um, you know, you don't deviate from your path, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and that's what we did. So, and I have to say it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, me and, uh, uh, the crew chief who was also the head carpenter. Um, it was a pretty amazing experience. The two of us stood on the 50 yard line and just like watched this entire thing come together, standing on the 50 yard line. That's amazing. Um, it it was it was very cool, and I know uh, Hank and I couldn't be more proud of of the way our guys performed. Um, like we killed it, we really did. They our guys did such a great job. That is, oh, that's I've always <laughs> wanted to do Super Bowl halftime show only to see how fast everything can go together. Because like, yeah, you watch it in TV, but commercial breaks and whatnot, who knows what's actually happening, but to actually be there, and then I'd be like, yeah, football, whatever. But that is so cool. (laughs) It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Was it weird knowing, because usually we do scene changes like behind a curtain. Was it weird knowing that there's like millions of people here possibly watching you? At least in the stands, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Or do you not um, even think about it in the moment? Well, and that I tell you, it didn't. I didn't really even think about it because um, I do enough or have been done enough rock and roll. We do <laughs> scene changes in front of the audience all the time, and really, this was a basically another rock show we right. were doing a set change for. That makes sense. So yeah. Everyone's getting beer and uh, ice cream during that time anyways, I guess. So it's not like everyone's actually staring at the stage. There's there's the three nerdy kids who are like, yeah, this is the whole reason I came with dad to watch this football show. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I know there's, um, you'd have to search for it on YouTube. I can try and and find it and send it to you guys. But there is um, a a link of the, uh, what's it called? The. Oh, the quick motion. Yes. But so one of those videos that shows us setting it all up. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. I have no idea what words you guys are talking about. But yes, if you could find that, that would <laughs> so want to post you know, that and probably they, watch it. They do like an entire load in and then they like 
fast forward it so it's only like one minute long. Time lapse? Yes, thank you. That's the word. <laughs> Got it. But it's only <laughs> five minutes. Mo and I are both like, you know, that thing. I see this over yes. here, clueless. That's yeah. you do. Okay, we'll have to find that. That would be so exciting. <laughs> but do you need to time lapse five minutes? I mean, it would still be super cool. So maybe. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. I'll time lapse of five minutes. Yeah. I highlighted it. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> so then when you work as IATSE, do you schedule, I guess you just schedule yourself. Like when you go down your list and you're like, oh, I got to my name. I can do this. Is that how that works? Or do you get to kind of pick and choose which ones you get to do? Um, there are certain... So our business agent decides who the uh, job steward is, who the shop steward is going to be. Um, and there are some clients that um, that I've been with since they've started. So I know, for example, if um, I don't know if I should be calling names, but like I have a particular <laughs> client. I don't like because I don't know what I, you know what's appropriate and what's not just mm -hmm. within my business realm. But like I have um, particular clients that I've been with since the beginning, uh, since they start, first started using 927. So when they come to town, I know that that's going to be, that I'm going to do that show as the steward. Um, when my name comes up in rotation for shows at the Fox, um, if, if I have time, I'll take them. If not, I won't because uh, during the summer, uh, my time is usually taken up by dealing with um, all the rock and roll shows, working those shows, making sure um, the venues are filled uh, with the appropriate crew numbers and, and that type of thing. So um, and then so it just kind of depends on the show and how busy the local is and where we are as to whether or not I actually get to go work on a gig. How much time do you spend actually filling calls? I feel like that could be a almost full-time job in itself. Oh, That's and then in Atlanta. <laughs> um, it, it just, it depends. Um, it, it depends on the needs of the client. Um, so if I use 25 stagehands, then it, depending on what else is going around in the city, you know, that could take me an hour to fill or it could take me four hours to fill. It just depends on how much is happening um, on a nothing out of the ordinary happening, just regular old business. A 25 man's at two hours tops. If, you know, a client needs 10 riggers and, you know, I need six guys that can climb and four guys to be on the ground. You know, sometimes I can get that done in an hour. Sometimes that takes days because of the skill set and the supply of riggers in the town. Because the town only has so mm -hmm. the rigger calls can be challenging sometimes. Mm -hmm. How did you get the job of, how did you get this job of being the call? So, yeah, just depending on the day. Well, it actually, uh, 927 did a big organizing drive in, I don't remember what year. It's been in a few years now. Um, and we organized one of the 
labor com- we were trying to organize one of the labor companies in town, a company called Crew One. Um, they misclassified their workers. That you know is one of those companies that you know paid you ten dollars and fifty cents an hour, and mm-hmm. um, and with no benefits, like everything was ten ninety nine, and mm-hmm. you know you weren't an employee. It's the classic case of of uh, misclassified workers. Happens a lot in theater. It does. Um, so we organized them. And when I had first gotten to Atlanta, I worked with them. Um, and then ended up transferring into 927. Um, but I'd still continue to work with crew one because I had learned about the organizing efforts of 927. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I work with these guys. I know them. I'm going to help convince them that voting for the union is the right thing to do. Hmm. So we ended up uh, going through the NLRB. We got enough pledge cards and um, 927 actually won the vote among the workers. Crew one refused um, to negotiate with us. So, so we went directly to live nation. And so we got a contract with Live Nation to cover these amphitheaters. So, but because I knew the skill set and the workers of the Crew One workers, and I also knew the skill set and um, the and the folks on the 927 side, it made sense that uh, the business agent decided that it made sense that I'm the one who would uh, put together these calls. So I started putting together the calls and at first it was just for all the live nation rock and roll stuff. Um, and then our business agent, unfortunately, uh, got sick, got cancer. And so he relied on me to help him, uh, fill the rest of the calls and other people jumped in as well. Um, the guy who works our the Fox steward jumped in and started taking care of the Fox. So our business agent, uh, like I said, he got sick. And with like, I certainly did not do it on my own, uh, but me and about two, three other people uh, took over the responsibility of filling the calls. Um, the head carpenter for the ballet and opera took over dealing with those labor calls. The, uh, like I said, the steward over at the Fox took over dealing with the Fox calls and I handled everything else that came in and helped them when they needed help also because a lot of times I would have the spreadsheet and I could tell you where, you know, who, who was where and on what day. So, you know, you're in day three of a seven day run and all of a sudden someone calls out, you know, they mm-hmm. would call me and say, okay, who's available. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I would give them a list of names or I would just, uh, get those, you know, find a replacement for them. So. That's another question. How, how do you organize an entire city of laborers with all the information? Do you use like an Excel spreadsheet or do you have a program you use or how do you track all of that? Well, um, we have a general referral list and, and so like name tag information and then their skill set. So really, so if I'm, 
trying to fill, which this happened several times last year, you know, we've got five big things going on in the city. So that run over and they overlap. I just add a bunch of lines into the spreadsheet or add a bunch of columns into the spreadsheet that's each a different day of the week. And I go down and I call, I call the people. Or I go through whoever's requested first by um, the client. And, and then I just go down the list. I'm like, this is what I got. What do you want? What's your availability? And so, you know, the first, whoever the first person on the list is, they're like, I can work this day, this day, this day. So we figure out how, what show would work best for them based on their schedule, plug them in. And, and I, it's basically my abbreviations. It's like, you know, whoever is at the Fox this day is, you know, ballet this day, you know, whatever it is, if they're not scheduled, but available, I'd make it a green square. If they're not available, it's a red square on that date column. Um, and I just go down and do that and keep it up that way. That's like a, like a, what a stage manager does, but on a <laughs> scale of a hundred, because we exactly. only have, with, you know, a lot less overlap. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I feel like it's a whole job. Yeah. So you're like on the phone 24 uh, seven. Some days it feels like that. Um, we do have for like specialty positions, um, you know, I do have to make the phone calls if it's, um, you know, a general hand call. I, I have this great, uh, little program that I found that allows me to text from my laptop, but it also syncs with my phone, with my work phone. So I can go online or go on my computer, build a text message of, you know, let's say I need 10, 10 stage hands. I build a little text message, you know, work call, whatever day, blah, 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 with all the pertinent information. And I just type in the names of the first 10 people on the list, press send, and it shoots a text out to all of them. Does it nice. send an individual text or is it a group text? You have the option to do either, but so I send individual. I set it up so it's an individual text. What is the name of that program? That sounds amazing. It's called My SMS, and I think it's an extension on Chrome, maybe. But some people have done that. Fantastic. Um, And because what? Because we also send out reminder texts. So if you have a gig tomorrow, um you you will get a text message reminding you. So I send, uh, so, you know, again, I've got 10 guys working tomorrow. I send them a text reminder tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. This person is your steward. If you're going to be, you know, late, let them know, mm-hmm. you know all, the, all the information. And I just type it once, punch in the names and press a button and that's it. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> you should be like a... Really yeah, because I, I like to have everything in writing. I know some people prefer talking on the phone, but when you talk on the phone, I can't be like, dude, we talked about this because it's my memory versus their memory. So the text is great. Right. I can go back and be like, you answered this text. You got a reminder text. If you forgot, like, your fault. That's on you. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
Exactly. And the great thing about this program is that you can save all the text records. So I have a file in my Dropbox that has, and you can look it up by phone number. So if someone says, I didn't get that, I'm like, oh, well, here it is on my phone. And here it is, the backup showing that, you know, it did get sent. So it's a nice CYA tool also. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't need to use it, but I kind of want to look it up just to play with it. I don't schedule. I don't schedule crew most of the time. That's that's Irma's job at work. So I'm just curious about it because yeah, sometimes and most of my crews are like you know six eight people, so it's not a big deal. But right. But yeah, you're getting a bunch more people. There's got to be a way to organize it. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm constantly looking for not necessarily easier, but more time efficient uh, tools because it's this is it's a very time consuming job so whatever tools i can find to make it easier always make me happy yeah cuz besides just getting somebody reminding them about it or tracking their stuff like yeah i could see that's just a full time job right there i can see why during summertime you're probably going crazy uh-huh <laughs> although you're probably a little more crazy right now doing nothing but so, oh, it well, well I, I, yeah, I was crazy the first few months, but then uh, me and one of my union brothers started a handyman business. Yep, I thought so, about doing that. And uh, it's actually, it's, it's, it's taken off quite well. Um, so my uh, uh, Hank Collins is the co-owner of this with me. He's a... Uh, the vice president of our local and him and I got together because we were going crazy at home and said, Hey, let's <laughs> do this thing. And, um, and the idea is um, for us to get it big enough that we could start getting our union brothers and sisters to work mm-hmm. and, and try and help them out making cash while, you know, we're in limbo. Thank you, government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, everyone's sitting at so, home right now, just wanting to fix things at home. I know that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, oh, exactly. And people's vacation money is now going towards home improvement. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like you're not you're not spending ten thousand dollars on the kids at Disney World or however much it costs. I don't know. But... Ten thousand is probably a good estimate, <laughs> especially for a week, multiple kids. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. Right. I've never had to wait in line so long at Home Depot and Lowe's. I'm like, dude, what? I'm always here. Why are the rest of you here? Go away. <laughs> I need paint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't know how it is where you guys are, but down here, um, you can't find the five-quarter deck board. Nobody has it anywhere. I had to go to two stores to buy five gallons of primer. They were only down to the one gallons of primer. And I was like, nope, I need five gallons I of primer. It. And mm-hmm. gloves, rubber gloves is... I I had to order them online by the case and it took two weeks to get to me because everybody was out of latex gloves. Mm. You don't have that problem? Okay. Well, you just send your husband. (laughs) He's not doing all the repairs I want him to do. I need one of you guys to come up here. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We've already talked about this. The hallway needs to be fixed. It's so true. Wait, I want to go back to IATSE. How does your... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, because I only know like the Binghamton one. 
Oh, okay. What is it like for your guys's? Uh, it's not called apprenticeship, but what is it like to get into the union? Do you have a journey, journey, journeymanship? Is that what it's called? To be a journeyman? Uh, um, we, our local doesn't have that. Um, we, we have an application process and we have residency requirements and you have to be voted in. Um, but we don't, I know some of the bigger, and I say bigger locals because comparatively, even though we're in Atlanta, we're a small local. Hmm. Um, with, I want to say 250 members, um, we're considered one of the smaller locals. Um, wow. but we have, uh, we don't have the apprenticeship and journeyman. We don't have those types of programs. That's something that we're wanting to start, but I don't, I don't know what kind of movement that's been made on that. So pretty much if, if you want to become an IOTC member, you just start working, you start at the bottom, and then after a while, um, so because, voted because, in. Uh, because Georgia is a right-to-work state, mm. um, you don't have to be a member to work with the local. Um, you can be, well, well, everyone's a referral, but you can be on... You can pay $50 to get on the, on the list basically. And you're not a member. Um, and based on your skill set and your resume, that determines what letter group you get placed on because we don't do our, because of right to work, uh, we don't do our list by seniority. Oh, um, so we have what's called a referral review board and that board, uh, it's a group of, I want to say five members, uh, and they determine what list you go on based on your resume and skill set. So when you first join the local or get on the list and nobody knows who you are, you're going to get on the lower list. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you work with us more, and we always recommend that you be on the list for about a year before applying for membership so people can get to know you, see what you can do, and all that kind of stuff. So then you can put in an uh, application for membership. It's discussed at our monthly meetings, um, and, you, and you get voted on by the members. And so, you do that monthly? Or do you guys only mm-hmm. vote like once a... <clears throat> no, we do it monthly. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have to go out there and, and advertise it or try to do training or do you guys have people come to you pretty often? Because again, the, the small local I'm used to is so tiny and it's like dying in a sense because so many people have left that town that there's not a lot of younger members on the local. And so I'm like, in 10 years, none of you guys are going to be able to work anymore. And then what do you do? So we've actually right. been trying to come up with, I don't know if training is the right word, but it is kind of training to talk to like the local colleges and high schools and stuff, you know, to let people know that this is an option. But I don't know in Atlanta if it's, if you have to uh, go out after it as much. In a way, it takes care of itself. Um, Once we got the Live Nation contract and the people that worked for, we call them labor pimp companies because that's what they do. Um, and the people that work for those companies are starting to see, uh, it's like, oh, you know, 
we make more money doing this. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, what you get, you get insurance. Mm-hmm. I have an annuity fund now. And so people naturally talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and last year we had so much stuff going on. Uh, and you know, one Sunday, I think we had close to 400 people working, 300 to 400 people working. And we actually had to go outside of our list. And um, I was reaching out to uh, people who I, uh, people in leadership positions that I knew at some of these um, other companies. And I'm like, hey, if you've got guys that want to work, it's a Sunday. It starts at 6 a.m. And when the contract starts at 6 a.m., um, like those guys were making double time for 12 mm-hmm. hours that day. They were making, what was it? 50, 56, $58 an hour for 12 hours on Sunday. And dang, I want to do that. And when, and when <laughs> they read this is on a Sunday and, you know, I had some of them coming back for regular days and they were just amazed at mm-hmm. Not just how much money they made, but how they were treated, um, you know, that they actually got their breaks. They actually got their meal breaks and their 15 minute breaks. So uh, word of mouth has has been strong. So. um, So we don't have to chase too, too much. That's so awesome. Stacey, I think you should move to Atlanta. Then you'll be closer. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm not making that money. <laughs> we don't make that money all the time. Let me just, but like that would, let me just clarify. But I mean. No, but a lot of know, contracts are like, what if you come in before 8 a.m. It's double time. Or I know in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. it's like anytime between midnight and 8 a.m. is double time. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the, um, yeah. some of the, the places that we hire from when we need extra crew at 1540. Yeah. There's a whole uh, list of if they work overnight, if they work holidays, if they work weekend, if they work, you know, all kinds of stuff that we, we don't do because our guys are part of the company, but yeah, I know it can change a lot. Uh, Georgia's a state that is talked about a lot out here in LA because a lot of uh, production companies and movies and filming and TV shows are all moving to Georgia uh, due to your guys's willing. Right to work. Yeah, the right to work and the taxes and all aren't so high. So you guys are probably getting quite a bit of work going on just because so many people are leaving LA and moving out to Georgia. Yes, stay in LA. We are full. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, so yeah. We we call it Yollywood down here, and uh, <laughs> like there's t-shirts and everything. Um, but yeah, no, the TV and film industry is very strong here in Georgia, uh, and it's not so much um, the right to work because we do have uh, a very strong um, IATSE. A studio mechanics local here, number 479. Um, and they do staff the majority of what's going on. It's my understanding that they staff the majority of what's going on uh, here in Georgia. Um, but yeah, we have uh, uh, 
lots of movie studios. I mean, lots of stuff is filmed here. And, um, you know, it, it's done well for the economy for the most part. So, um, yeah, it's good stuff. So is it broken up? You guys are different unions because it's just different locations or TV um, so, film is slightly different than what you do. So it's a different union number. Yes. So 479 is studio mechanics, which is uh, TV and film. Um, 927 is um, we're a stagehand local uh, who also does uh, non-script. We do non-scripted TV stuff. And then if movies um, like the Bobby Brown story shot in one of the arenas here in town and they wanted a whole rock and roll thing set up. So they called us cause we do rock and roll, you know? Got and so it. we set it up. Um, um, and then, but we also have eight thirty four, which is uh, the conventions local. So they do everything at the Congress center and just the various convention centers around town. They're the trade show union or local. Um, we also have a hair and makeup local. We have a wardrobe local. So it kind of sounds like Philadelphia, the, mm-hmm. the convention center, the stagehands and wardrobe. I don't know if they have a, a makeup local, but I don't know how much filming goes on there or I just don't deal with that end of it. So I never hear about that side of the local, but yeah. Do you, so you only deal with the stagehands and do you ever overlap with the other ones or do you, are you able to call them in like that day that you needed 400 people? Do you call in guys from the convention center or you pretty much stay separate? Um, so if we've exhausted our list, yes, we will go to um, the uh, convention, the trade show local, and we will go to 479 and say, hey, we've got all this stuff going on. Can any of y'all come help? Um, and I've even gone and worked for 834 when they're like, hey, we have, you know, this giant, two giant shows going on, you know, or they'll call me and say, hey, can you come help? Um, mm-hmm. And then we have a, a smaller local in Athens, Georgia, that's only about an hour and 15 minute drive away. So I'll call um, their BA or call steward there and just be like, hey, girl, I got work down here. Do you have people? And she'll send me people and vice versa. She'll call me if they need help. Um, so we, we a lot the locals here do work together or try to at least to support each other and help each other out. That's excellent. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're all part of IATI, but it's cool that you guys actually, exactly. it's not like these are my people. I don't want your people. It's like, Hey, we're all part of the same group. Let's help each other. Exactly. I just sent a show last year to Athens, Georgia. They did our, I want to say shit. Boheme or Barbara Seville. One or the other. <laughs> oh, okay. Very similar. <laughs> well, I had, both shows went out twice within the same year. And so I was having a hard time like tracking them. But yeah, it was at the University of Georgia in Athens. Oh, the first center probably. Some place where like you can't back a truck up into the loading dock. So they had to like, <laughs> it was a huge thing. Because they were like, well, we could take the truck to a, a warehouse oh, and unload it at the warehouse. One. And yeah. load it into two 28-foot trucks. And my TD was like, no. 
that's that's not an option. And they're like, okay, well then we can unload it in the parking lot and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, why can't we not just back it up into the loading dock? And they ended up doing that. I don't know why it was such a big deal, but um, hmm. yeah, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of fun to negotiate that <laughs> one. <laughs> but, but they made it work and it, you know, they want to rent from us again. So I guess that's great. That's what always counts. <laughs> Uh, it's like the details I remember. I don't remember the show or who was on it, but trucking and logistics. You're, and you I know what me props complaining about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, well, we're getting close to time, Twin. So I don't, do you have any, you said you had a lot of questions at the start. We have talked about a yeah, lot Yeah, they were them, all but... IOTC questions because I, okay, I feel like we still rarely <laughs> talk to people who work in IOTC. You know, we do a yeah. lot of designers I guess and stage managers and we all work with IOTC crew but not like on the inside of it you know like <laughs> yeah I don't even work with IOTC crew so it's very interesting. yeah I just say I need you know I'm, I'm doing Sweeney Todd and I need this many electrics and this many people on fly and then it just happens like I don't know how that happens so <laughs> someone's over there calling a lot of phone numbers texting yeah. a lot of people <laughs> Group is usually calling. Yeah, you know, but like I said, that crew is—it's so tiny. I want to say they only have like fifty people on the in the union. There, it just keeps like dwindling down. So I know most of them at this point, but to do something the size of what what Mo does, plus my crew hasn't never worked on the Super Bowl. So I know, right? <laughs> never going to put that on my resume. Kind of jealous. <laughs> no, seriously, uh. I got to stand on the fifty-yard line. That's just what I would put on my resume. Um, <laughs> those are all my questions. I'm so glad we finally got you on. I know we've been, we what this is like our third time scheduling it, I think, or fourth time because every time I, we tried scheduling it, time. like, yeah, yeah, but even before that, like a year ago, like you got stuck on a call and then Mo got stuck on a call once, and, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. like last year was probably the busiest year that I've had in a long time, and it was like. And I was telling Missy this morning, I was like, I'm doing this podcast today. I was like, like literally for years, we've been trying to schedule this. <laughs> literally for years. Literally. It's so true. Because even back during like Happiest Millionaire, which was 2017, you know, we got dug on yeah. and I was like, oh, Mo's going to be the next person. And, you know, now it's 2020 and like we finally got Mo on. <laughs> so- Everyone's like. Yes, let me talk about theater. I'm so bored right now. And so we're like, yeah, <laughs> schedule all the people we couldn't get when they were busy. That's exactly what is going on. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. This was so wonderful. I'm so glad we finally got to make it work. And uh, I feel like I know yeah. so much more about IATSE now, which is, or at least, well, well, yeah. At least Georgia. At least Georgia, IATSE, because they are very different based on different state law, labor laws and such. So that is for sure. Yeah, we'll get an L.A. person on, maybe. Yeah, there you or, go. Be like, what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I know what Georgia does. <laughs> we know a little bit of what um, Binghamton, Wisconsin does because of Christy. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Excellent. we'll have to get a non-Midwest person. Okay, Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Mo. I really, really appreciate it. This was so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And now you thank can, you guys for having me. You can let yeah. all your dogs out of the bedroom. I'll let my dog out of the bedroom. Everyone can go bark for a couple minutes. And there you go. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I'm going to contact Doug and see what we're doing next. So hopefully I'll be able to talk to you soon. 
Yay! I love that. Now's the perfect time for him to be planning. And I know, writing. right? He should be writing exactly. scripts right now. It's so true. Right. No excuses. <laughs> Thanks. I'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Thank you. Okay. Bye. No problem. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macop, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.